Hello, hello, hello. I am your Dario Caccini hostess with the most, this Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes because this mascara especially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And how y'all doing this week? Spring hath sprung here in New York City. I couldn't be happier, even though it's going to rain all week. It's been raining, whatever. I am just happy that it is not freezing anymore and the weather is turning. I always, I really enjoy like just the turn of the seasons. That's why I think I'll never leave at least the East Coast or some place that has seasons because I don't know. I just love I love the change. I love I love um you know expecting something new and waiting for something new to come and and everything that comes with it. You know, everybody wants to be outside. All the men's are wearing less clothing. You get to eat outside more. You know, we're we're eating Alcapulco. It's great. It's really, really great. Anything else on the on the news block for me this week? Not really. Oh my God, I booked my Puerto Vallarta Pride ticket. Yep, she's uh, traveling solo to Puerto Vallarta at the end of May. I'm sure there'll still be a podcast though, and that's about it. Other than that, um, which I'm really excited for, I am really excited for today's guest. So, without further ado. I'm keeping this intro short to introduce the one, the only, Stefano Diaz. Say hi. Hi, everybody. What's going on? Nothing. (laughs) Hi, Senor Diaz. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being here and thank you for giving me time out of your very, very busy schedule. Oh, no problem. It was definitely worth it. Yes, we lo- we love the dulcet tones uh, this morning. Yeah, <laughs> you're giving me you're giving me the quivers with this voce. Have you ever thought of doing some voice a voiceover work? Uh, so when I was younger, I was always told that I had the voice of Tracy Chapman, and then as testosterone happened. It just, you know, turned more Darth Vader-like. <laughs> so uh, No, I'm, I'm here for it, and I'm sure the listener is too. And listen, Tracy Chapman made an entire career off that voice. That's not a bad thing. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, listen, before we get anywhere, I got to do what I got to do. And in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, Stefano, I need to wish you happy National Caramel Popcorn Day. <laughs> <laughs> caramel popcorn hmm. or is it it's caramel just, caramel or caramel there is a town named caramel so i think i say caramel just I also to say caramel yeah caramel popcorn did we actually need a day for it no you know no. but i'm here for it are, are, are we a fan are we a fan uh, i mean out of the 
you know, the trifecta of, you know, the, the Christmas popcorn tins? So, yeah, because there's the cheddar popcorn, the caramel popcorn, and then the regular? Or is there yeah, something else? Sometimes, you know, depending on which which brand you get, but right. it's usually that trifecta. Yeah, right. So, you know, uh, the if cheddar someone... and the caramel are always the, the two. Yeah, I mean, if grandma sends you a Harry and David, you know, not a sponsor. Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, popcorn tin that you then repurpose to, I don't a know. A trash can. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a year-round Christmas trash can, you know. Um, and yeah, by grandma, I'm, you mean my mother every year? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we can adopt, you know. <laughs> it's my mom. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Cracker Jacks? Cracker Jacks are caramel popcorn. Whatever happened to Cracker Jacks? I think they're still around, right? They're reserved for baseball games, though. Are, are we a baseball fan? I, it's like the only sport that I sometimes watch. Not a big sports person, but I do enjoy baseball. I think it's just being born in the Bronx, growing up with the Yankees. Hey. You know, it's that nostalgia kind of, you know. Yes, born in the Bronx with the Yankees. <laughs> I, I feel bars coming. <laughs> Call me Nicki Minaj. <laughs> I go to a baseball game once a year around my mother's birthday, which is, happens to be this weekend. Happy birthday to you, Mama Gladys, oh. even though she doesn't listen, but it's okay. She'd be appalled. Uh, <laughs> but she's very supportive. So shout out to you, Mama Gladys. And I'm sure we'll be hitting a baseball game this year. Well, you're in luck, Stefano, because you got a double. Oh, well, you actually have a triple day here. It's. Uh, I also found out it's International Carbonara Day. Okay, I can get behind that. Wait, why is it National Caramel Popcorn Day, but International Carbonara Day? Because everyone internationally around the world enjoys carbonara. But not everyone enjoys caramel I mean, popcorn? I think that's a, a pretty American thing. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess. Well, it's. <laughs> I don't know who comes up with these things, but it's also New Beer's Eve. New Beer's Eve. New Beer's Eve. So that makes tomorrow New Beer's Day? Is this just when a bunch of new beers get dropped or is it like... I, 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 you know what? I didn't have my producer, um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> search this. New Beer's Eve. I don't understand. Um, do you get really wasted? Do you just drink one? Like what? Do you get wasted the day of? I, uh, is a delightful and fun day to to spend celebrating the freedom to choose to drink beer or any type of alcoholic beverage. That sounds like every day to me. Yeah, but why would it be every alcoholic beverage when it's new, new beers? beers? I don't. This whole national day of anything is really messed up, and there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. <laughs> I think but, just stick to beer for that. Yeah. But are you a, are you a beer person? Uh, I'm not that much of a drinker, but I do enjoy the occasional beer. Okay. They're also reserved for baseball games. Well, know? baseball games and, you know, summer nights. All right. <laughs> for summer loving, had me a yeah. blast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> This is very, this is, I, I guess this is very baseball themed. If we like, you know, freeze a, a ball up at bread and fry the carbonara and then we have all baseball snacks. I'm sure there's a, some stadium that has some sort of carbonara or something. So no matter what you celebrate out there, whether it's National Caramel Popcorn Day, National Carbonara Day, or New Beer's Eve, we celebrate you. And moving right along to this day in gay history. Stefano, did you know that in 1955, Rob Epstein, Oscar-winning producer of The Times of Harvey Milk, Common Threads, and The Celluloid Closet was born in New Jersey. I did not. Yeah, queer creators. We love them and we need them. And like, there's been nonstop Oscar talk um, these past weeks, which I'm over and we're not talking about it here <laughs> today. I refuse. But um, I thought it was very appropriate to just, you know, jump on that Oscar bandwagon, if you know what I mean. <laughs> But well, it's want, easy. Yeah, it's, it's easy. What you call me? <laughs> I, easy. 
<laughs> it's written on every bathroom stall from here to Tallahassee. Well, I want to get to the getting on. And folks, if you didn't know, and you probably already do, Stefano Diaz is the owner and head butcher of the Meat Wagon. The Meat Wagon at the beginning was primarily a mobile butchery and custom cutting service, traveling to local farmers markets in the Hudson Valley with fresh and frozen cuts of beef, pork, lamb, and chicken, and coordinating whole beef shares for family and friends. How does that even happen? In 2021, Stefano opened the doors of his first brick-and-mortar location in the Midtown neighborhood of Kingston. Stefano is a graduate of Le Cordon Bleu and has cooked at the renowned Biltmore in Asheville, North Carolina. His passion for food fueled his curiosity and interest in butchery, which he realized was the perfect cross-section of farming, cooking, food systems, and community. His career then took him to a three-month intensive nose-to-tail butchery apprenticeship at the headquarters of Fleischer's Craft Butchery in Brooklyn. After his successful completion of the program, he worked as the head butcher at Fleischer's original location in Uptown Kingston for three years and then moved to the Marbled Meat Shop in Cold Spring, where he was the manager and head butcher up until the opening of the meat wagon. He recently appeared in Edible Hudson Valley, but has also appeared in Bon Appetit, as well as many other publications. Yeah. So welcome. We have a, a celebrity butcher with us. Talk about gay celebrities, folks. <laughs> Just how, many, how many celebrity butchers can we name? Well, Jason Yang, he uh, is my teacher, so I think he's a celebrity within the, the... I know the name. I do know the name. Brian Mayer. Big shout outs to him. He is a fantastic human being. Okay, now how many queer celebrity butchers can we name? Me? <laughs> yes honey and that's and that's the way it needs to be right yes <laughs> paving the way and opening doors absolutely so i would like to start at the very beginning here because you are not only are i think are my are my first butcher on this podcast four plus years later right <laughs> I mean, I've had a lot of gay celebrities on this podcast. Never a butcher, I don't think. Now that Ugh. I'm now that I'm processing, right? Fabulous. I mean, yes, honey. But um, I want to start at the very beginning and your love of cooking, which led to your love of butchery and where that came from. Where does your love of cooking come from? I think for a lot of people of my background, the love of cooking came just out of necessity. My mom worked two jobs. My sister, I always say, could burn water. And I was a hungry kid. (laughs) (laughs) I was always hungry. So learning how to cook for myself was a need. Like I needed to learn how to cook because I needed to eat. And I, you know, started cooking for the family. And then it kind of, you know, just kind of took from that. Funny story about burning water in college. I was an RA and, you know, lived in the door, lived in the dorms. And the first floor was the girls floor. Second floor was the guys floor. Third floor was the girls floor. And there was a kitchen on the first floor. And this girl wanted to make tea before she went to the gym or something. The water wasn't boiling fast enough. She decided to cover it and go get dressed to go to the gym. She covered it with Tupperware. And therefore, the Tupperware melted and started a fire in, like, with the brand new, like, electric appliances. And so, technically, the girl burned water, and I put it out. I was, I was a hero in the state of New Jersey. So- <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's special. Yeah, that's very special. <laughs> so it is possible to burn water, folks. Yeah. So, uh, that's the PSA for today. So you start cooking, and then when do you decide that all of a sudden you're you're cooking out of necessity? I was a latchkey kid too, you know. I was, but I wasn't like cooking, cooking. I was just opening the the handy snacks, like you know, cheese and crackers, and then putting the last, because there was always so much cheese left over and not enough crackers. And then I'd break out the Chips Ahoy and I'd have like charcuterie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Punchable charcuterie. (laughs) You know, a little charcuterie. And so, um, so when do you decide to go to Le Cordon Bloom? Like, Um, so I originally didn't actually think that I was going to go to culinary school. I 
had been a part of GLSEN, which is the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network. I was a student coordinator with them. We did a lot of coordinating uh, Gay Straight Alliance uh, inclusivity in schools. We lobbied on Capitol Hill. So I really thought that I was going to go into that political realm um, and then getting into college, you know, for just my liberal arts, I was very quickly like, I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> like, I am tired. I am tired already. I'm 18 and tired of this. <laughs> so it was really a second choice. I really do enjoy cooking. Uh, I can never see myself sitting behind a desk and doing office work. So I went behind my mom's back and I applied to culinary school because she was very much against it. Uh, and when I got in, I said, hey, mom, we need to apply for financial aid. I'm going to Pittsburgh for culinary school. Amazing. <laughs> uh, uh, amazing. You know, um, you know, these journeys into finding what we what we truly want to do are are really are really unique and special. I also had to be like, Mom, I'm going to school to be a music teacher, really, when I wanted just to go to school to sing and then come out and do musical theater, which is exactly what I did, you know, <laughs> for a very, very long time. And I love that you were like, I don't want to go into politics because I'm tired, yet you went to culinary school <laughs> and to be behind the line 80 hours a week, um, that's tiring. That is tiring. Different kind of tiring, though. Like, the mental process of, like, dealing with trying to get people to, like, be more inclusive versus dealing with someone... Trying to get people to be more inclusive <laughs> as they scream at you that, like, your sauce isn't right? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I see, I got into a lot of fights with my chefs because <laughs> I just... You know, I might have an authority issue. Yeah, and that's, uh, and you know what? Uh, behind the line is not a place to have an authority issue, especially especially coming out or going to a place like Le Cordon Bleu. You know? Yeah, no, but I I did very well in Le Cordon Bleu. Um, I did uh, like gra I did graduate with the dean's list. I graduated with a three point eight GPA, um, and then from there, that's how I ended up at Biltmore. Yeah. Amazing. So finally you realize you're cooking, you're living your dream or your passion. Somehow you're not tired, right? <laughs> I still don't get it. It's not processing. But um, so what makes you want to start, you know, Dexter style, you know, just cutting up animals here? So uh, getting to Biltmore, uh, experiencing being a cook and being a chef, working the line, going through multiple seasons of hell, you become tired. <laughs> and you become tired of the animosity and the stress and the drama and just the general bullshit that is a kitchen. And the bullshit is just the abuse. Um, and, you know, it's it's not like that in every kitchen, but in a lot of kitchens, there's... It, that's that's the reality for a lot of people. Um, and I was actually talking to my chef from Biltmore, Brian, recently, and he was just like, you know, I'm honored to know you. And I was just like, you are the one who gave me a chance. And then I was just like, actually, multiple chances. And he was just like, you know, I, I you know, I took a chance and put a knife in an angsty, angry twenty-something-year-old. <laughs> Um, but that was really it. He brought in butchering. He saw that I took well to it. He saw that I enjoyed it. Um, he let me do it more often. I got more practice. And eventually I was just like, I enjoy doing this more than cooking. Like, what do you think that I should do? So he said, find an apprenticeship. You know, he tried to put me somewhere in Iowa. I was like, I'm not going to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, he recommended another place in California. And then eventually I found Fleischer's, uh, which made the most sense for 
a couple of different reasons. My dad was sick. He was in the Bronx. Headquarters for Fleischer's was in Brooklyn. Um, and just New York is home. So like it, it just made sense to come back home, yeah, do the and, damn thing and figure it out. And Kingston's not so far either, you know? Exactly. It's stunning up there. Um, talk to me about, we were talking about like kitchens being problematic and we talk about it all the time here. You know, it's the age old story of toxic masculinity, hyper, hyper cishet, white male dominated industry, you know, just we always talk about having to push through that as normal people if you're going into that business. Not to say that we're not normal, right? Take that back. Bad choice of words. You know, uh, just as people in general, right? But then being LGBTQ people in the kitchen, right? And already having to fight against this, like, toxic place just to be to exist in and then now to exist as yourself in that space. Talk to me about that journey. So, you know, I have always considered myself to be one of the lucky ones. I, in some way, have always had a core support system that has never swayed in supporting me. Brian, my chef at Biltmore, he was understanding and, you know, he, I started going through testosterone, like I started testosterone in his kitchen. He saw the hormone craziness that was the first three months of me starting testosterone. And it was an understanding, like, this person is going through a second puberty, essentially, and, like, we can deal with this. You know, there's a reason behind this. I think it's... That's the small difference is always being shown that there is a other side. You know, there's actually a good side to some of these cishet situations. You know, you take the good, you know, part of of those things and you create your own space. And that's really, that's what I've done. I've been able to take all of the good that people have actually shown me translated into a way that everyone could understand and just run with it and really kind of just say, for lack of better words, fuck you if you don't give it, like, if you don't care or if you don't want to come into my shop, like, this is how it's going to be. It's your loss. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the facts of life. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and there you had. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, because um, I was just about to ask, like, I, I mean, I've been front of house, you know, hospitality 23 years, right, on and off. And so I've seen, I've seen all of that kitchen stuff, right? And then to transition into butchery and butcher shops, which I feel like I would imagine, and I don't know, right, and you're about to tell us, I'm sure, is is maybe doubly that or like because of of it's like I'm cutting up meat, you know, <laughs> and things like that. You know, I, I feel like that would have presented yet another challenge for you. So actually in butchering, it was the complete opposite of what you might think. I found that these people were more understanding, less aggressive. It's when you take the stress out of the equation, people are nicer. When you take the bullshit out, people get to be themselves and people want to be helpful. So in my situation, working, learning from a bunch of straight guys, you know, Jason Yang was the only Asian in the room. You know, I was the only Puerto Rican trans person in the room surrounded by a bunch of other white guys. It was still a very pleasant experience. And in certain shops, when you have a group of guys that's not broken up by anything different, of course, you know, that macho beefy, you know, I'm going to cut this better than you. I'm going to make this nicer than you. I'm like, we're going to compete. It happens. But from my experience, it was just less because there's less stress. Yeah, you, you, you took out the competition and you took out the, 
you know, the, uh, there were no layers because the level, the playing field had been leveled. Yes. Yeah, that makes that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And and um, you know, it's not something uh, I've I've had to think about on this journey of in your mouth talking to, you know, a million amazing LGBTQ food people. You know, it's um, it's it's really interesting. This is a whole a whole nother sector of the food world that, that yet we haven't explored, you know, four years later. And it's, it's really amazing and really special to hear that there is, that there is a space for us, you know, and that there, mm. there can be, there can be this regularity, you know, to everything mm. because you're, you're just there doing what, what everybody else is doing. You just want exactly. you don't want to, Butcher some meat, you know, <laughs> like a me on a Friday night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, that's <laughs> butcher in which way? Mm. Uh, <laughs> Any of us listeners, you should see Stephanie's face. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. But no, it's really special and really, really nice to hear, you know, in the sense of amidst amidst transitioning and amidst figuring yourself out and amidst growing and changing, you had a support system in a field that is typically not known to be ultra supportive, you know, in certain in certain aspects of it. Yeah. And you had and you had a team and someplace to foster what you wanted to do, right? That like the rest of the stuff happening personally with you wasn't really a factor that played into this as it, as it does for so many other people, you know? And we need to hear these stories, right? Yeah. And it's, I am so vocal because I want people to know, you know, I want other trans people to know that like, if they're in a situation that they, you know, feel stuck in, like there are other people out there that are, doing the damn thing. Like you don't have to be stuck in this situation. You know, it's really a matter of finding, finding your footing, you know, finding a support group and making the decision to do better for yourself. You know, you deserve better. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a motto for life here, especially with all these nonsensical anti-trans bills being passed on the daily these days. We've been here, right? Y'all have been here. You're going to be here. You're not going anywhere. Right. And and there's a place, there's a place for, for you to thrive, right. And to be supported. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also think that there is a large culinary trans community that we don't really, we don't really see, you know, it's, it's actually since opening the shop and just being very openly trans, I've had people come out of the word woodworks, like just send me an email, be like, "Hey, I'm also trans. Thank you for being so vocal because now I feel like I can also be more vocal about being trans." Yeah, you know, it's I'm glad to do it. It's shitty that I have to. I mean, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, did. You all hear that? That's the thing. But you you shine so brightly. You know, you shine. You shine so brightly in a field, in what is an unexpected field, because I feel like young people, right? Um, I I think I'm the only one out of anybody I know in my circle that goes to a butcher. You know, the art of butchery is very specific and and whatnot. And so, like, I'm always at a butcher shop. I I love it, right? Because (laughs) there's there's deals and the butcher knows me and, and so on and so forth, but... Yeah, it's it's a responsibility. It's a responsibility that you didn't ask for that now has been thrust upon you that like you're not how can you say no to that? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Much and like- in a way though, I fi- kind of feel like I did ask for it because that's what I promote to people is that I owe everyone who comes into my shop, I ask them how their day is going. And you would be surprised at how many people don't get that question asked to them ever. Mm-hmm. 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 I've had 
grown men like say to me all the shit that's going on in their lives and then they look at me and they're like i don't know why i just said that it's like because i gave you the space to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i um a long time ago i think i've always done this but someone like verbalized this uh to me once and so now i'm extra aware of it of treating people beyond their service and so as opposed to, let's say, getting in a cab or going to your local coffee shop and just being like, yeah, I need a latte or whatnot, it's, it's stopping and taking that moment. Hey, how are you? And it really disarms people because they don't know. Uh, I find it all the time, and this is not why I do it. It's because I care, and it's, you're a person. And yes, you're doing a job, but you're also a person. So I'm like, hey, how are you? They're like, they don't know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, this stuff comes out, and they're like, wait. <laughs> why did I just tell you all of this? And I'm like, that's fine. Great. I'm doing well. Thanks. You know, now can I have my latte or now can you take me to, you know, home or whatever? So yeah, I totally get that. I totally get that. And that's really, really wonderful. I want to take a short break because I feel like you and I could be on this thing for like four hours at this point and <laughs> drop it at so your girl can make Three cents, and then I'm going to be back with Stefano for my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Stefano, I hope you're ready because I'm about to take you out to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast, a little something we like to call Food News Update. Food News. Uh, food news. You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Atlantic City's new carousel bar spins around while you sip your drink. Yes. (laughs) I thought Atlantic City was dead. I mean, it's not dead, but carousel? Like one of the, the, the horse carousels? Yeah, no, like you're not sitting on like wooden horses going up and down as you. <laughs> oh my God. Talk about, talk about give, uh, giving a whole new definition to the room spinning. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm not about no, that. No, it's joining the ranks of like um, over here in Manhattan on top of the Marriott, there's uh, that restaurant called The View and it spins. There's a really famous bar in New Orleans that spins. Apparently, the Roman Emperor Nero had a spinning dining room that dated back to the first century. I don't know what it is with people and the gimmick of, like, a restaurant or a bar that spins. It seems dangerous, and I'm, yeah. Lots of drinking, spinning, vertigo. Yeah, I get. I mean, it's not like spinning. It's not like you're on the treadmill. <laughs> no, no, it just slowly spins. But like, you know how people get seasick? Like that slow spin. Like you could definitely. It makes uh, this bar will make two and a half revolutions per hour. Okay, so it's not that. Like so, it's super slow. I've been in that view bar on top of the Marriott, and and yeah, but you're not really paying attention because you're there with whomever. And you're dining, and then, like, you may look up, and you're like, wait a minute, oh, there's the Empire State Building, and, oh, okay, and you look up again. You know, is this, I, I don't know. I I was under the impression that Atlantic City was just done boots, you know? Well, they're uh, making a comeback. After number 45 and and the closing down of all the casinos and whatnot. Maybe, uh... Maybe people are rewatching Boardwalk Empire. Did you watch? I was obsessed. It was so good. Oh, of course. It was of so course. good. <laughs> you got to see Bobby Cannavale's penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> and nobody was angry. <laughs> oh my God, this is part of the hotel and casino's $100 million renovations. And on Memorial Day weekend, Bally's will unveil its own carousel bar. And it's going to serve... Uh, 360-degree views of the casino and adjacent area. It's um, slightly elevated, and a 24-seat bar is what it is. So you're not getting, like, crazy views. And what else is happening here? Finally, to hammer the whole theme home, the bar also serves modern craft cocktails with the spirit of Atlantic City flavors at their core, such as saltwater taffy, cotton candy, caramel popcorn up, where come full circle and more with the names of with the names like the merry-go-round shore breeze funnel cake espresso martini and sea spray spritz this sounds like a hangover waiting to happen all the while you're spinning i'm here for the funnel cake martini but i do hate hate saltwater taffy <laughs> it's disgusting really i love a saltwater taffy moment uh, i'm i'm Taffy and like licorice, and like I'm I'm weird. I also like don't like Twizzlers. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no, highly debatable on this podcast. We can't go down that road. We'll be here another three hours. <laughs> I'm a weird candy person, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, I I feel like it's a texture waxy candy thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 You know what? We don't discriminate here. All right. Get off my podcast. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Um, First and foremost, thank you to Food & Wine for always keeping me in the know for my food news, even though there's still not a sponsor. But one day, I'm just going to keep putting it out there in the universe. And secondly, you know what? If it's providing jobs for people and providing, um, you know, work and people to be inventive and, and more things to do in this world after after the two years of the pandemic, I think we're here for it, right? I, I, yeah. I, I, can be, I can be here for it, right? I could be here for it. All right. Like, congrats, Atlantic City. Pabst Labs opens cannabis-focused beverage factory, triples capacity for THC-infused drinks. So we've moved from Pabst beer to Pabst THC drinking beverages. So I, I guess we need to start with... Do we indulge in the marijuana of it all? I mean, of course. <laughs> I mean, of course, as if that's a question. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> Why don't you take the mic then? <laughs> so, hold on. Have you had the Pabst coffee drink? No, I haven't had a Pabst anything in a very long while. I don't. Okay, Not so- even a Pabst schmear. <laughs> but um, I had to have one of those semi-recently and it was traumatizing, but that's besides the point. <laughs> also, the first time we've talked about that on this podcast, you know, bre- breaking down barriers and boundaries here only on um, In Your Mouth. <laughs> I'm very open. <laughs> and we're here for it. Okay, so I think Paps is trash. I might get a lot of, you know, shit for that, but... I did try the Paps coffee drink, and it was actually really good. So I I think the THC drink uh, might be just as good. Yeah, well, um, I've never had a THC drink. I do love an edible moment, right? Especially now that it's legal here in New York City. And But I'm a lightweight. For as much as I, I have taken an edible, five milligrams will, like, shut me down. So I micro-micro-dose. And I live my best life. And it's great. I drink less. So I, I'm a little afraid of, of the THC drinks personally. But apparently this has put Pabst back on the map. Pabst Blue Ribbon High Seltzer is one of California's top-selling THC-infused beverages, you know? And so in 2020, Pabst granted the rights to Pabst Labs to begin making the non-alcoholic but THC-laced Pabst Blue Ribbon cannabis-infused seltzer. Look at that, you know? I feel like that 
for people who don't enjoy drinking but enjoy going to a bar, I feel like that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you know, no one got crazy on on marijuana. If <laughs> you're not going to get into drunken fights, you may you may freak the fuck out, right? Being like, ah! <laughs> no one's getting into fights on this. For sure. Apparently, they've opened this new cutting-edge manufacturing facility and distribution center, which is one of the few dedicated cannabis beverage facilities in America. And so it's Pabst Blue Ribbon 10 milligram high seltzer. That's that's a lot of weed in a drink. <laughs> uh, I mean, for someone who has a very high tolerance, I feel like that's just regular. I mean, I'd have two sips. And I'd be like, I'm good. I'd probably drink a can and be like, can I have another? <laughs> oh, my goodness. There was there was another thing I was reading here. Yes. Um, Pabst also produces Not Your Father's Cannabis-Infused Root Beer and the St. Ides Cannabis Product Line, which includes their 100-milligram-infused four-ounce shots. That seems dangerous. That is dangerous. I oh, that's... Okay, so people who have, like, chronic illness and chronic pain, maybe that would work really well for them. Like, people with, like, severe fibros, fibromyalgia. Yeah, absolutely, you know? But I mean, for me, I feel like I would just fall asleep. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Sleep problems? Have a shot. Solved. Have a shot. <laughs> Go to bed for three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, we're, I think we're here for anything cannabis related as long as you are drinking and edibling and smoking responsibly, folks. We here on In Your Mouth want you to take the best care of yourself, right? And yes. and make sure you are of age as you do that, right? <laughs> yes, 21 plus. 21 plus. That's the way I like them. And last but not least, someone selling counterfeit Wonka bars to UK shops. Counterfeit candy is a thing. What? I was today years old when I discovered that. <laughs> no. That's so sad. <laughs> yes. There's somebody out there like opening. This is what is beyond me. There's somebody out there literally opening Wonka bar um, packages and then repackaging them, which makes no sense because you have to spend the money to, to then, buy the Wonka bars to then repackage them. But they're also creating fake packaging. Did they like fall off a truck and like <laughs> I want to know but I really want to know like what goes through someone's mind you know the criminal mind is is beyond me here and yeah. great I, we have had a lot of like cr true crime food news updates but this one is really <laughs> really out there like we've had beef thieves and and all sorts of things on this podcast but I want to know what goes through someone's mind being like, you know what's going to make me a lot of money? Fake Wonka bars. That's how I'm going to make money and no one's going to catch me. <laughs> it's like, are Wonka bars even that popular? Apparently they're very popular in the, in the UK. Um, the United Kingdom's Food Standards Agency is warning shoppers that they absolutely need to be on the lookout for fake candy bars because they've discovered some counterfeit Wonka chocolate bars in both brick-and-mortar and online retailers across the country. The FSA warns that counterfeit Wonka bars could be unsafe because they're being made by unregistered businesses that may not follow food hygiene laws and because some of the counterfeits that have been analyzed contain allergens that weren't listed on the labels. Uh, okay. I mean, it makes sense because you don't know what's in the, these knockoff bars. But yeah, how, much, yeah. how much money are you making off of fake candy bars? I mean, apparently enough where... It's worth doing. Yeah. And it's, but then it's, you have to get the factory to make them. This is this seems really complicated. I mean, it's, it sounds like a inside job. <laughs> right? Someone, someone knows someone who knows someone who's married to someone. That has the machine. To do the thing. To, that the Oompa Loompas... You know, <laughs> control. <laughs> oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a low hum of doom, ba, doom, 
yeah. right? Because they're because they're coming to get me, right? And they're coming to get you now because I brought you into this. <laughs> they just start marching up my steps, right? All of a sudden, uh, uh, the podcast cuts out, and and there's no more of either one of us. <laughs> Actually, just Chucky coming up the steps. <laughs> that's right. And you know what? Before any of that happens, because now I'm terrified. I think that's the best way to end food news update. <laughs> I told you it was stupid as hell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Before we close out, this has been so, so special. On on more of a, I don't know, on more of a non-laffy taffy uh, note here, our stories are important. And I think yours and your journey is so beautiful to to see and just to see you shining. And In Your Mouth listeners, I discovered Stefano because he, uh, Edible uh, Hudson Valley and the whole Edible magazine has kind of, you know, re- not necessarily rebranded, but like kind of had a little bit of a facelift. And Stefano was on one of the covers, I think, or had a, had a spread in there where looking stunning. And first and foremost, this chainmail apron, that's really a thing. It is a thing. It's, Why? Uh, are, are, like, knives being thrown at you? <laughs> so, no, but as a butcher, instead of cutting away from yourself, you tend to cut towards yourself. So the chainmail apron covers from the chest to pass your femoral artery. Got so it. You don't kill yourself. Got <laughs> it. Or cut yourself. Or, or in case um, a random joust happens to pop up on your calendar, you're ready to, to go. <laughs> Only face forward. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) If you're having a duel uh, at dawn, you are good to go. Got it. Got it. Got it. But um, I was was saying that, you know, just seeing your beautiful face and seeing uh, the representation of it all and seeing and just seeing that is was so wonderful to me. I was wondering if you would share your coming out story with us because I think our stories are so important and we never know who's listening. Yeah, I mean, I have known I was trans since I was four, five. Um, I had several coming outs, I would say. The first one being to my sister at five telling her that I liked girls, and she suggested that I give the girl in a class that I had a crush on jell So that was nice. Thank you, Sarah. Um, and then, again, in the seventh grade, when I told my mom that I felt like I was a boy, and she sent me to therapy for anger issues, which I did have at the time. Um, so there was a bit of trauma with that, just in the fact of telling my mom one thing and then, you know, she just sent me to therapy for it. Um, so then it took us another several years to really lay it into my mom uh, when I was in high school and I joined Glisten. Um, and I was just like, this is who I am. I want to start binding. Um, and this is why I say that I'm one of the lucky ones because my mom at that time was, you know, supportive and ready to accept me. And she just treated me like her kid in, in, Glisten, Gay Lesbian Straight Education Network, is really where I think I found the comfortability to just be myself and be out to everyone. And then moving away to college, um, being trans and getting to just be me without anyone having any prior knowledge of like who I was, um, was another form of coming out. It's really not until recently where I feel like I've just been coming out to everyone. You know, I would go into my life being like, okay, I'm male, I'm Stefano. And then 
you know, something would get brought up and be like, okay, well, I'm actually trans. And they'd be like, you want to be a woman? I'd be like, no, I was a woman. <laughs> like that, I was born female. I was born into the wrong body. So I think now it's the, I'm always coming out to people as in, no, I was born in the wrong body and I've transitioned. Like I'm not trying to go the other way. Like I've already been. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I don't think my coming out story is very set or very traditional. It was just, just a continuum. Yeah, uh, and I always say this uh, every episode at, at this point is that we don't qualify coming out stories because uh, everybody's journey is different. And so to hear your story and on, you know, this is a platform uh, in your mouth listeners, as you know, our, if you're new around here, you, you're about to find out that, you know, I, I don't know 98% of my guests. I slide into people's DMs respectfully uh, most of the time. And, uh, <laughs> and because there's something that speaks to me about that person that I'm like them, that, that story. And although we have had a, a few trans people on the podcast, you know, I said to Stefano, no, this is a space for you, right? Cause we often don't get to tell our stories the way we want to tell our stories, especially being part of the food community, especially even more so being behind the line, you know, just trying to exist and survive and, and, and just be in this space, you know? And so your story is important because I guarantee you that many of the listeners haven't heard this story. No, probably not. <laughs> oh, no. And so it's wonderful. And, and we need to hear them, you know? Um, we talk about, you talked about before about um, having a bit of responsibility, you know, now, right? And and people coming up to you or, or sliding into your DMs being like, thank you because you've given me the power to, to be more myself or, you know, speak out more. You know, the same thing happened to me with this podcast um, a while ago where I was getting DMs, one specifically from somebody in South Africa who was, and if you still listen out there, thank you so much because this set me on a completely different journey myself of having the same uh, equally similar responsibility of um, he said to me or they said to me, I love that you've become a custodian of our stories in a very specific way. And I, I didn't understand what that meant. I was like, wait, what? What am I doing? And... And so once I like kind of wrapped my head around what that meant, um, yeah, it was a bigger responsibility, but it also um, is, is an honor and I'm very thankful for people like you coming here and trusting me and trusting me with your story, with your time, with, with you. Yes, because, you know, I love to be an ass and I love to laugh and I love to make a stupid joke, but like we're here, we're here for this. We're here to celebrate you, you as you are. You know, shining brightly. <laughs> thank you. So, so it's important, and I want to thank you for that. What's your secret to your success? <laughs> not giving a shit about people's shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not taking no for an answer, and just really. So, I go to therapy every week. That is a thing that I do. It's a thing that I do for my mental health. Um, I personally think that everyone needs a little therapy in their lives but it's the secret to success is knowing yourself and forgiving yourself and just committing you know there's there's no secret about it it's just you have to make changes about yourself if you want to do things yeah absolutely you no know. one's perfect no, absolutely. and you're ever growing and ever changing. I forget who I was talking about this. This has come up um, a few times now in the past few weeks about um, you said you've come out several times, you know, if you had to. And um, who was I talking about with this with? It's the same. You're ever evolving and ever changing. And so, you know, there's new hurdles and there's new new discoveries about yourself that, right, sometimes like... This is the this is the new version of me, and here we go go again, walking through another door, and so it's an it's important. Yeah, I mean, I, if if you're not willing to adapt, then you're going to get stuck. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're not willing to change then that or evolve, then what's the point? Right? Exactly. That, that, yeah. that doesn't sound like necessarily a happy existence, dare I say. <laughs> dare I say. Don't send me hate mail. I don't care. <laughs> I had a chef in culinary school who happened to be my meats and seafood chef. And he would always say, thus is life. You know, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of things you can say, you know, thus is life. And put it on, put it on a t-shirt, <laughs> get, get them at the meatwagon.com. <laughs> thus is life. <laughs> What's next for you before we close out? Uh, so we're coming into our grill season. So we are going to try to set up another Pig cookout with Kingston Standard, which is one of the breweries that are behind us. Uh, we're also going to be setting up some classes, uh, including a donation suggestion uh, children's class. Oh, like children butchering? So one of my friends... I mean, not butchering children. That just yes, sounded... yes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we love the kids. We want to keep them safe. <laughs> One of my friends and customers, uh, her five-year-olds are obsessed with the butcher. And there's another two-year-old that is also obsessed with going to the butcher. Um, So we're just going to put together like a small class where the kids can come and look and like touch the the eyeballs and the feet and... Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Science. Science, essentially, yeah. Pretty yeah. much just getting the kids, like, excited about meat. That, and I'm sure because you're all about a sustainability and all of, and sourcing and and that, so I'm sure there will probably be an, a lovely, you know, farm aspect of, like... Oh, know? yeah, there's going to be, there absolutely will be an educational point to it, and, you know, it's going to be for, like, seven to five-year-olds, so. Yeah. Very, very low-key on the big words. and <laughs> Yeah, and how cool is it to touch, like, a cow's brain or... Or a pig brain, yeah. A pig brain or, you know, ox balls. <laughs> <laughs> how fun is it to squish liver in your hands? Yes, <laughs> right? Is... Or... <laughs> It's like Play Doh. I don't, I don't yeah. know where ox balls came from. <laughs> I don't know if ox balls are a thing, but you know. Or, do, o- do oxen not have balls? Are oxes female? No. <laughs> They're just Wait. not called ox balls. <laughs> what are they called? Um. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what is the. Uh, there's a Rocky Mountain. Oh, uh, Rocky Mountain oysters? Uh, You know what? For as much as I love a testicle, Jesus, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm dying. (laughs) You're going to make me pee my pants. Oh. Oh my goodness, this has been so great and so wonderful. Um, Let the kids know where they can find you, how they can find you. Give them all the handles, the OnlyFans, the the alt Twitter, whatever you got, (laughs) lay it on us. Uh, So Instagram handle is Meatwagon LLC. The website is very long-winded. It is themeatwagonmobilebutchery.com. Okay. the Facebook is The Meat Wagon. Uh, and I think that's it. If you just Google The Meat Wagon, Kingston will come up. Yeah, yeah. And I'll obviously link that out through all the liner notes as well. And yeah, it'll be a happy face. In your mouth, listeners, go give Stefano all the love because um, this has been such a special um, day and such a special episode. And he's not, uh, he's not um, so bad on the eyes either, folks. Like, get, get into that Instagram, yas. You know? It wouldn't be an In Your Mouth episode if I just didn't uh, hit on my guest because it's par for the course. Um, you know. 
yeah. Other than that, much, much, much love and thanks to Stefano Diaz for giving me of your time today. Oh, what a great day and a great episode. In your mouth, listeners, get out there. Um, get out there. Get some sunshine, you know. Go to your local butcher and explore. I think it's a great, great thing if you've never been or you're not um, or or you're just not experienced in that. I, I always, I grew up going to the butcher with my mother, so that's why I go and even more so. Now, because of the pandemic, um, the meat was actually cheaper at the butcher than it was at the grocery store, and um, and they're knowledgeable and they and they hook it up sometimes, like if they need to move something, other. So if you're on a budget too, it it all works. I'm all here for a butcher, especially a sexy one. Yes. <laughs> and other than that, um, that's all I have to say, folks. Um, thank you. Get out there. Get some vitamin D. Go to your butcher. And thank you for listening to In Yo Man.